Long. Way outside for the three. It's good. He got it. It's good. Season for Texas, they finished 34 and 0. The number one ranked team from beginning to end, winning their first NCAA championship. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Bruni. And joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how are you doing today? I'm fine, but I should be asking you, how are you doing, man? You're, not you're, not it's, great. It's rough right now. <laughs> it is. It is rough. It is rough over here in Baton Rouge. Uh, just a common common flu uh, hitting me a little bit. Uh, so if I stand a little nasally, that's what it is. But, you know. Still, still, put, still putting on for the people, though. Look at that. You have to. When, when Texas Tech goes and beats Baylor at in Waco, mm-hmm. I didn't have a choice. Maybe if Baylor would have just rolled them, I would have been like, you know, Ish, we can just put this one off. Right. But we got we to gotta talk about Texas Tech and Baylor. I mean, I, I watched this whole game, right? And mm-hmm. in the beginning, I was like, all right, Baylor's going to roll them. Like, it's, it's not even going to be a game. I had like three games to watch that night. It was like 24 to 9 at one point. Like- yeah. It was a, it, I thought it was going to be a blow. Even when yeah. Tech came back and pushed it in the first half, they, they came back, cut it to like three at one point, going to half. Baylor's up 31 26. I was still like, you know, Baylor's in control. Baylor's fine. You know, Tech doesn't, Tech had um, Kevin McCuller back this game, mm-hmm. but they still didn't have Terrence Shannon back, who's now missed, I believe, six straight games with a back injury. Yeah. I was like, I just, I just don't see it happening. And then Texas Tech, put on a defensive clinic in the second half and Baylor was perplexed. Baylor could not out physical them, couldn't out muscle them and couldn't out defend them, which is something that they do. If, if nothing else, Baylor's going to out defend you. Mm-hmm. And it tech was like, all right, then we'll just make these tough shots and come down and defend you on the other end. And Texas step ends up getting the 65, 62 win a marquee win over a team that a Baylor team that obviously had won 21 straight games um, dating back to their national championship run. Mm-hmm. And Texas tech is the one that ends it ish. Where do you want to start with this game? Uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's fair to start from defense uh, Tech's defense. I think that there's been some good breakdowns on Twitter kind of about where, um, where tech kind of, prioritize stopping Baylor and I think it was a uh, Tevin Brown on Twitter um, underscore Jawan he kind of has a good breakdown of like where their half court sets were were um, uh, keying in on and I should say first of all one of the big things was that they made Baylor run half court sets right they didn't let Baylor get out and run a lot uh, which means they converted they one either made shots on their end offensively which made them obviously uh, Baylor take the ball out, but, or they were able to set up their half court defense pretty quickly and get back in transition. There were a lot, it was a lot of pressuring on the high, high, high key. Um, 
switching, but really staying aggressive. And so like when you see somebody like um, a Santa Silva gets switched on the perimeter, he's still pushing up pretty high and he'd have players kind of cheating off and, you know, like coming that that last possession is perfect. I think um, I'm trying to find it. Jordan Sperber, who's a hoop vision 68 on, on YouTube, but he's also on Twitter. He basically looked at that last possession and like Santos Silva is on, is on Akinjo. And like, you know, you look at that, you're like, Oh, Baylor, Baylor got the mat has the matchup they want. And what happens is they switch on the Santos Silva switches on him. He puts a hand in his face and every single time Akinjo tries to drive right or left, somebody's reaching in from the perimeter helping and like forcing him to pull back. And like, it's a, they're just stunting like consistently. So Santos Silva can kind of hold his position. And that's basically the defense they ran the whole game where it was like, somebody is running, uh, initiating the pressure. Um, and every time they tried to drive or get something going, somebody would stunt off and flash or something to where it'd be just insanely difficult. And there were, it was even like almost like a matchup zone at some points too, where it was like anytime a Baylor would run a screen, like they wouldn't switch, but it would be like, they'd collapse on him. Two players would collapse on him and then get back really quickly. And I don't know, it was, it was really fascinating to watch. Um, But I mean, credit to tech, man, that, that's, they're still undermanned. Um, Kevin McCullough is still like, I think he said he was like 60%. Like after the game, he basically, I remember watching the interview. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go ice up basically. Like I, yeah. he's, he's not, he was not a hundred percent at all. Well, Cause then he and, didn't he yeah. tweak his ankle or something like that. It, something. Yeah. He yeah. like got it. Like he picked up like another uh, kind of a nagging injury, but he still dropped like 12, you know, like he was, he was like, I think he went five as five of eight or something from the field, but um, yeah. he didn't start. And yeah, I, man, this it was it was just impressive because they played basically played seven guys, uh, eight uh, eight or nine got in the game. But that was like five, four or five minutes from Pacho and Wilson. Um, I mean, we can talk about Adonis Arms too coming up and just like coming up huge, and they had they just got like all around contribution, and it's just like a close loss to Iowa State and two wins over Kansas and Baylor playing like six or seven guys. <laughs> yeah. And again, this was the only one where they had McCuller out of those three. The other ones, they didn't even have him. Yep. And Adonis Arms, uh, Clarence Nut- Nadolny, mm-hmm. I've been, those two have been amazing in, yeah. in the backcourt. Uh, Davion Warren's been fine. I His scoring, I mean, he scored two points and I believe he like airballed one of his threes. And I was just like, once I see someone airball a three, I just kind of tune them out. Uh, <laughs> right. but regardless, uh, Arms and Nadolny especially have just been incredible. I did not expect them to take the step forward that they've taken. And if that's the case, they're coming out and they don't, as a team, Tech got to the free throw line seven times, mm-hmm. made five. From three, they shot four, 14. They were making tough, contested twos, but then also they were throwing pump fakes at the rim, getting their ju- getting the shot blockers in the air and finishing uh, right around them. And Baylor, to your point, well, they weren't able to get downhill. Their guards were not able to, to um, operate the way they usually do. And it reminded me of when Texas Tech played Tennessee because Tennessee mm. has some really, really guard, good guards as well. And Tech held them to like 45 points in regulation. And Tech just does not allow that dribble penetration that teams need and mm-hmm. it wore and it killed Baylor Baylor is the game with 14 assists to 14 turnovers like yeah. how often does that happen last year it never would have happened this year it's a different Baylor team but still and I think another uh 
key indica- indicator of just how uncomfortable Baylor was was three guys, Kendall Brown, Flo Thombo, and Jonathan Chalmochachua. Mm-hmm. All three of those guys are kind of their finishers, right? They're the guys yeah. that are going to catch the lob, put down the dunk. You know, uh, once their man helps, they catch the ball and, and put it away, right? Those three had – Kendall Brown had five points, Flo Thombo two, and Chalmochachua had four. Mm-hmm. Like, you're ending a game where those three combined for 11 points. Yeah. It's an inc- and and they don't even have and we've said this before. Tech doesn't even have a true rim protector here. Daniel Bacho, who like five podcasts ago I was praising because I was like they figured it out. He's the one that was protecting the rim against Tennessee. He played five minutes mm-hmm. against Baylor. They did this with Bryson Williams and Kevin O'Banner as their front court for basically the entire and Marcus Santos Silva for the entire game. And yeah. none of those guys are shot blockers. Like the four blocks that they had, two were from Marcus Santos Silva and two were from Adonis Arms. Like. How they did this is an incredible testament to Mark Adams and an incredible testament to this team's toughness because, holy crap, that was tough. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm, I might write something for the website on this because it seems like and, – and tech fans are rightfully kind of annoyed by it, but, like, there's been some specul- – there's been some talk about, like, ooh, Mark Adams is maintaining, you know, what Chris – you know, Chris Beard's culture or whatever. And it's like this guy was, he- like, hand-in-hand hand with Chris Beard since Little Rock. Right. Like he is, this is, he's, he's maintaining his culture basically. Right. And I don't know. Yeah. Like I I see, you mentioned it where it's like, this team's not, you know, doing it with shot blocking or like things like that. Like the way that if you look at Baylor, I mean, kind of transition, I guess, to Baylor a little bit here. If you look at the shots that Baylor did get, it was when Akinjo was able to get in the lane and somebody else maybe had to help. And Kendall Brown was free for a lob. Or there was one, I think, towards the beginning, the one possession that stood out to me towards the beginning of the second half where uh, I think Matthew Mayer might have flashed to the rim and somebody had to help off and that freed up Flagler for like a three. And so it's like, okay, when the defense did collapse, like, okay, yeah, there's there's the Baylor we know, but we've kind of talked about it. Like the question, the the thing with this Baylor team that we still hadn't seen was what happens when James Akinjo is a little bit off his game. and you know, what did he finish? Three of 13? What did I, what did I tweet out? Five of 14. Um, and had, let me see. He also had. Yeah. One turnover, five assists was one of eight from three. Right. And so it's like, okay, like that, that's a guy who one of eight from three is striking to me because he's not getting in the lane, right? He's settling and he's not able to set up as he's, he didn't, he finished with five assists, which is still a good number, but he wasn't able to set up the rest of the offense as well as he usually was. And a lot of it was him kind of dribbling at the top of the key, being pressured and kind of having to back up almost near the logo and like having to like assess the defense of what kind of was going on a little bit. Um, and they made him uncomfortable and like it, it really messed up the offense. And it's a testament to Baylor that they still, you know, were able to kind of hang in there because of their defense. But it just showed, you know, the offense was just a little bit off its game and it showed kind of the vulnerability of what um, – now we kind of we kind of suspected, but we couldn't really say it because we hadn't seen it yet. Yeah, and just you know, it just happened where it's like, oh look, their their best player is a little bit off, and it's not a huge surprise that you know they they probably were a little bit down. But credit to Adam Flagler who looked really good, um, who was kind of in many ways the reason why they were still kind of able to hang around. Yeah. I mean, it also goes back to what we said last podcast. I mean, with the three point shooting of this team, it's not 
the exact same. They shot yeah. eight of 24 from three, and that's with Flagler going five of eight. Like, yeah. Yeah, I was about to say, you take away Adam Flagler, it's one. If you take away Adam Flagler, who went five for eight, it's one for eight, 0 for one, 0 for three, two for four. Like, yeah. it's not, it, it was a good shooting, it was a great shooting performance from one guy and a bad shooting performance from the rest of the team. And that that's where the threes would have bailed them out last year because there's no way they're going mm-hmm. eight to 24 against anybody. They didn't go right. eight to 20. They, they rarely shot under like 35% from three. Most mm-hmm. games, they were 40 plus percent from three. And that's a, a big, big difference. And so I, I, we touched on this. We touched on why this Baylor team isn't as good as last year's team a couple podcasts ago, and I stand mm-hmm. by everything that we said there because um, I think we just made great points there. I think we you can go back and listen to that if you if you want to hear what's wrong with Baylor because it's pretty much the same thing. The three point shooting is not the same. The the killer instinct when they have ten they have tech down fifteen in the first half, the inability to pull away and put them away is painfully evident, mm-hmm. and they are more reliant on James Akinjo than they were on any one player last year. It's yeah. painfully obvious. Yep. Now, Texas Tech, moving forward, I want to touch on this first. Mm-hmm. They have Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Iowa State, West Virginia. It's the next four games. If they go 4-0, which I don't know if they will, that's not an easy stretch. Oklahoma State's yeah. good. Iowa State. Ken Palm has them favored, but again, with this short rotation and who knows how, you know, guys yeah. could just get worn down by the end of this too. Yes. It's going to be very tough. Yeah. But I was looking at the Big 12, and we'll talk about Texas in a second. Mm-hmm. It is a very, I shouldn't say very, it is increasingly a top-heavy conference. Yes. So where you have – Four and Kim Palm's projections, they only have four teams above 500. They have everybody else kind of beating up on them, each other at like mm-hmm. eight and 10. Uh, but it's Baylor, Texas, Kansas, and Texas Tech are the four teams that they have over 500 at projection wise. And then you have Oklahoma, eight and 10, you know, Iowa State, eight and 10, and so on and so forth. Texas Tech, with the way Kansas, with the way Texas have been playing, they're putting themselves right in the mix for that second tier. I still take Baylor as the first tier by mm-hmm. a decent margin, but as the second tier, like teams that are going to go win like 12 games in conference, those three teams are all on a very, very similar level. And I can't believe I'm saying about, and if you look at the rosters, Texas Tech's roster is significantly not less talented than Kansas yes. and Texas, right? right? Like, especially without T- Terrence Shannon. So what, what, is is that just Mark Adams? Like, what? How, how do we like approach Texas Tech now? I will say Kevin McCullough said something pretty striking after the game. He said this is the most cohesive team he's been on, and he was on last year's Houston team, right? Yeah. And I think that's striking because I don't think that was a shot at Houston, right? I think that that Houston, last year's Houston team was very cohesive, and it showed in the way they how they won games and how they were good, but. I think there is something to say about kind of the locker room atmosphere that Mark Adams has created. Cause you know, you add Kevin McCullough, you add Kevin O'Banner, you add Bryson. Well, like it's not a veteran locker room that's been together, right? It's, it's a, it's a brand new cast of guys. And so, and then some of those guys we had questions about as far as their defensive potential, right? Well, I wasn't expecting Bryson Williams to be a starter on this team um, because I thought his def- I thought he had defensive liabilities, but he's bought in and, that's a that's a credit to Mark Adams. So I think it's a, I think that is a credit to the overall chemistry that he's quickly built. Because like that is not easy to bring in guys who may or may not fit, guys who probably were bigger contributors on their old team, and bench a guy like Marco Santos Silva who was a starter on this team last year, 
and have everybody buy into a specific role. And then when you lose your guys like, like Taryn Shannon, like still be willing to gut out these huge back-to-back upset wins, almost three in a row um, uh, at a huge pivotal point in the year, you know, start a conference play. Like that's nuts. And I, I mean, I can't do anything but go back to kind of what the atmosphere he's created there really quickly. Cause we, we, can, we can talk more about like, you know, later on how like, I don't know if we actually talked enough about how tech felt like probably like a bride left at the altar a little bit, right? Like by Chris Beard where it's like before their arrival. And so like Mark Adams had, and I believe he tried, Beard tried to get Mark Adams to go to Texas too. And like, that's a, that's a huge situation to deal with, to deal with like a fragile fan base who's, you know, probably felt like a jilted lover and to be more impressive than the destination, you know, than where Chris Beard went, at least right now, um, you look more impressive than them. So, you know, I'm, I'm hitting, hitting my mic over here. Um, I, I don't know. I, I we'll, we'll probably have a bigger conversation as the season goes along. And especially when that game comes up in Lubbock, I believe February 1st. Um, but I just keep going back to what, what he's kind of established so early with this locker room culture. That's, the, that's more impressive than anything else. So we knew the defense was going to be there. We knew that how they were going to play and the toughness they were going to play with. But like mm-hmm. you said, the togetherness that they're playing with is, is, is what separates teams. And yeah. you see that in college basketball. That's what the difference is with, with some teams. So let's talk about Texas, though. Let's talk about Chris Beard because last podcast I was on here yelling about how uh, they stink, how they're going to lose to everybody, and how uh, they should be ashamed of themselves. And then they go and beat Oklahoma. And they squash, uh, Oklahoma. squash Oklahoma. Squash Oklahoma. <laughs> a game I only watched the first half of because I had seen yeah. enough. Yeah. Uh, just for, for, for everyone listening, just imagine me just throwing my hands up in disgust. Like, oh. Yeah. Ugh, They're winning. They? How dare they? <laughs> <laughs> wrong. Um, but no, they, they, the biggest thing here was their defense, right? It still didn't – offensively, nothing jumped out to me as being different. Yeah. They did have a little more transition – offense than they had had in previous weeks but when they slowed it down it was still very slow but um andrew jones is, is hooping right now 22 points 7 to 15 from the field and i'll talk about we'll talk about him in a second but defensively what they were able to do to hold this oklahoma team down and i said last week or last podcast i was like you know if you compare these teams just top 10 versus top 10 i might take all 10 texas players before i took anybody on oklahoma and right. I still felt that way watching the game. It's like you can't roll out Jordan Goldwire, Moja Gibson, these Groves dudes, and just expect me to be impressed. But they are a good team, so I can't, you know, use that mm-hmm. uh, as anti-Texas fodder. But so defensively, I'm I'm bought in. That's where we'll start. Defensively, yes. they you mentioned this, and you, you you made some great points last podcast for once, and. <laughs> It was the, the defensive potential of Texas is, is higher than what I think I'm giving them credit for. And you kind of pointed that out. And so I yeah. think we're starting to see that that's the difference with this team. Yeah. I, I think that one, I, one, I was really impressed with Devin Askew's defense in this game. I thought he was, he came in and gave him some really good minutes um, at that backup point guard, which I think, I think is kind of, to me, I think is the move. I would like to see more of a lineup, you know, it'd be a smaller lineup, but I like to see him, Marcus Carr, and, and Andrew Jones kind of playing together. I think they could, I think that could work in some situations. Um, 
but yeah, no, I, I, this team, this Oklahoma, people don't realize this Oklahoma team was cooking offensively, yeah. like legitimately heading into this game. Let me see. I have it right here. Uh, even after this game, they were the second ranked two point percentage team in the country, 61% from twos. And they had a, they were fifth ranked in effective field goal percentage. They were moving. And again, we had a question. I had questions about their strength of schedule, but you, this is still an offense that was moving. They scored, and, and, and they, they scored 79 against Iowa state and they scored yes. 74 against Baylor. Yes. And so it was still a team that was like, okay, this is going to be a interesting test for Texas. And I, yeah, their defense was excellent in this game. Like Andrew Jones, I think people were maybe confused or not confused, but a little worried about how, you know, how he may be able to be able, would be able to fit into Chris Beard's no middle, no middle defense, but he's completely bought in. That guy is all over the court, obviously hitting big shots, but like, he is, he is a menace. He looks like a menace on defense right now. And he, it, and it's really impressive. Um, of course they had, Chris, uh, I think they're still waiting for Trey Mitchell to get, get back with them. So they had a, a Christian Bishop and Dylan DeSue again, um, kind of a small rotate, or I think Trey Mitchell was back, but he, I think he, I think he was nursing something or he didn't play much. Um, and so they kind of had a small rotation about six and seven, eight guys a little bit. And they, I don't know, man, this was an impressive win for me, especially after the question marks we had about this team after Oklahoma state, you know, I think what it does show is that maybe this team struggles when a team can get grimy with them, right? Like in Oklahoma state, I'm curious what that looks like against Baylor and tech, but I think this is a team that can maybe get some pretty good offenses to play poorly i think this is going to be this is still that 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 very key no middle defense that slows games down that slows possessions down and when they're when it's kind of on level playing field like that maybe they you know when you're when you're i guess when you're dragging another team down to what you do that's an advantage as opposed to i think their issue is going to be when another team is kind of okay with playing that style right we also talked about how this offense wasn't as conducive for guards, but does mm-hmm. this team, and we kind of seen it with, with Jones more recently, but with Jones, Ramey, and Carr, does this team need to be more guard-oriented moving forward? Um, maybe. Timmy, I mean, Allen, Timmy Allen and Christian Bishop had 10 points each, only yes. 11 total shots between those two. Uh, Dylan DeSue had two shots. Yeah. Like, the Trey Mitchell obviously didn't play. I had two minutes, two minutes played, yeah. but... I think, I don't know. I, I, I do wonder if this offense is a little bit better if Marcus Carr doesn't score and is more of a facilitator, right? Um, because Andrew Joe, I do think if we're talking about like, obviously like a draft or whatever, like obviously Marcus Carr is probably the first guy you're taking. But if we're talking about like, I don't know, in a big game, like give me Andrew Jones. You know, like in a big game in like, in like big uh, uh, situations and conference situations, like what, what did he average last year in conference? Like 18, 19 points yeah. a game. Like it was something nuts. So if the offense is setting up him and Timmy Allen, I, I think that I, I'd go with that. I don't know. That's me. Right. Um, I just don't think this walking the half court is what Marcus Carr is good at. And so I think he's a pretty good passer and he had, what, he had five assists yesterday he had four, uh, three turnovers, which isn't great, but he didn't shoot well. And I don't know if this is necessarily, I don't know if I'd be wanting him to primarily score. 
if, if, if this is more of him where it's like, yeah, feed Andrew Jones, set up uh, Timmy Allen a little bit more, and then you get your shot when you can. Sure. Cool. That's fine. But I don't know. I mean, you are, people already know my, by now, my thoughts on uh, Timmy Allen, I think Timmy Allen should be the go-to guy in this offense, but um, if it's Andrew Jones either, I, I, I I wouldn't hate that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, we've talked about before just how many freaking weapons this team has that they can throw out there. So, right. It's like, it's, it really is like, it's ironic to say it's a coaching dilemma, but it kind of is because it's like not everybody can average 10, 11 points down the board. So like eventually you do kind of have to maybe gear around somebody. Right. And so, yeah. And when Andrew, when Andrew Jones has a night like this, it's a lot easier to win when anybody puts up 20 points, it's going to be a lot easier for this team to win because the defense is going to be there. And so they're up to eighth in defense. Now at Ken Palm, they are 35th in offense. You know, we'll see moving forward. They have Iowa State on Saturday and then Kansas State on Tuesday and then Oklahoma State and TCU are the next four games. So mm-hmm. should win all four of those. I, I think this is I, I'm curious to see if this is the start of a little streak for them, because, again, Oklahoma State's going to be another test because that's that's a team that can slow it down with them. Um, but I'm kind of I'm really I'm really curious about if this can be the start of something really interesting for them heading because they're going to need it heading again, that tech game is going to be massive. Right. And they're going to need a little bit of momentum because that environment's going to be a hornet's nest. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'm going to bet the under on Iowa state, Texas. That's for damn sure. <laughs> it's going to be like one eighteen is the total going to be. Right. It's going to be, it's going to be like 58 to 55. I can't wait. So anyways, <laughs> Yeah, so that's Texas. Uh, last thing I have from the on the or actually I have two more things on the men's side real quick. Uh, nothing big, nothing major. Can't go in too much depth because I didn't watch either of their games. But uh, Texas A&M continues to win. Texas A&M uh, beats Ole Miss and improves to I believe three and zero in conference play at this point. At some point, we're gonna have to have like a whole podcast dedicated to them ish with how much we've ignored them over the past month. I was I was about to say like so they have they have some interesting games coming up, and I'd say win or lose, we should talk about them because you'll actually I got the perfect game. You they're going to Baton Rouge on the twenty sixth, so are. you'll probably see them in person. Yeah, I'd them. say win or lose, we should probably talk because at that point they would have played Missouri a Missouri team who just fired Kwanzaa Martin. Kentucky, Arkansas, LSU. I think we, we very much know what this team is. So That's let's pencil that out. We're doing some live podcast planning. <laughs> let's pencil that after that LSU game. Let's yeah. try to talk about them quite a bit because we'll, we'll know very much what this team is by then. Yes. All right. Tentatively, set your calendars. Let's say the there 27th to 28th, somewhere around there. That'll be the AM podcast. There you go, Aggie fans. There you go. So, by the way, I was the one that bought them early. Bruni over here is never, never, I still bought haven't bought them yet. There you go. I'm away for them to just spiral. <laughs> but they have been optimistic over here. Damn. Georgia, Arkansas, and Ole Miss. It's something. It's something. Mm-hmm. So I just, I mean, considering we didn't think this team was. It's Even true. like middle of the SEC, this is pretty good. <laughs> very true, very true. Um, another team we have to talk about real quick is Houston because they haven't lost since since losing Tremont Mark and Marcus Sasser for the year. They beat Temple, they beat South Florida by 17, and then they beat Wichita State by 10. I don't think Wichita State or South Florida are that good, but still, is this a team that's just going to roll through the conference? Like, I, I, I think so. Like, this, this, this conference isn't good. Like Wichita State's not good this year. Um, it's 
see UCF, I guess, would be one of their other challenges. They're the, I guess they're the only even like close to top 50 Ken or in Memphis, of course. We always talk about Memphis, but again, I don't know. Like <laughs> it's so weird to be like, yeah, they're 14 and two, and like probably far and away the best team in the AAC. And this is also a team that I'm like, I don't know. They could probably get knocked out in the round of 32. Like <laughs> That's that's what I'm saying. That's what's so here. Let me log into my Ken Palm. I have it here. They're still third in Ken Palm. Yeah, like I mean, they're, like, they're not going to drop ranking. Like, they're not. Th- th- I'm trying to think. What are they in the AP? They're ranked 20th in the. Wait, no, they're sorry, I'm 11th. I believe in the AP because they're one ahead of LSU still. Yes, and so, I'm like, that's crazy. It's nuts, right? Because like you can't drop them. <laughs> like, like what are you going to drop losses, them? For? Their two losses this year have been by one to Alabama and by two to Wisconsin. Right. But That's you can't it. like you can't say like, well, they lost their two best players, so they're going to get worse. It's like, well, they're not on the court. They're not showing it. So like it's going to be such a baffling team. And I think that that February 12th game against Memphis, actually February 9th against SMU. Yep. That pencil that game in right now, because that is going to tell us something about this team, because what happens when you get when you play a team that's roughly equal, equally as talented as you now? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. Yes, but yeah, it's gonna. They're gonna be. They're one weird team to track right now. Guess how much Ken Palm has Houston favored in that theoretical game against SMU on the ninth. Oh, jeez. I can't remember if Ken Palm takes injuries into account. I'm gonna say twelve. Nine. Nine. That's a Nine. lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, but hey, a lot can happen until then. I mean, this is the thing. They're gonna win the next two games just by walking out and playing Tulsa, yes. South Florida, and East Carolina are all outside the top 140 in Kimball. Yes. The, yes. They, they're big time favorites in those Roll games. those three. Then you have a stretch of UCF, it's 53, Tulane, 132, Cincinnati, 72, SMU, 76, Memphis, 38, UCF, 53. Mm-hmm. The back half of this, this conference schedule is where we'll really start to see things here. So yep. um, I, there's not a lot to talk about because they're, they're the same team. I mean, They've been the same team the last three games. They just don't have Sasser and Tremont Mark. So yep. um, it's unfortunate. We wish they were healthy because with those two guys, we're actually looking at like a top five team in the country. But with that, without them, we're still trying to feel out. We need to see them against a good team, like you said. So let's get to the women now-ish. Whew. Women's basketball. We got a lot to talk about. <laughs> I have I have a tab open okay. that because uh, I had to Google this. The, the five levels of DEFCON. And <laughs> did you know that it actually goes from five to one? Like one is the, the highest level of DEFCON? Like the I actually level. didn't know it that. Says, description, nuclear war is imminent and has already started. So that's DEFCON one. <laughs> I don't think we're there yet in women's basketball in Texas, but we're probably at like a two, a three. A three. I was about to say, we're, we're like shading orange. Like yeah, I think, I think it's like yeah. yellow. It's like yellow to red, right? <laughs> exactly. 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 Uh, for those who don't know, here's a quick recap, and we'll get into these a little more specifically. But Baylor loses to Oklahoma, and this is all in the last three days, basically. Baylor loses <laughs> to Oklahoma, 83 to 77. Texas loses to Kansas, 70 to 66 in overtime. North Texas loses by like 30 to Middle Tennessee. I don't have that score up, but it was by 30. Um, and then Texas Tech loses to West Virginia, 64 to 53. That's four of arguably the best teams, like. Outside of maybe like UTEP, you could throw in there. Or oh, AM, mm-hmm. I guess, in theory, even though they're falling off. Like, those are four of the best teams in Texas. And they've all, 
had pretty bad losses in the yeah. past few days ish. Uh, where do you want to start? I don't know where to start. My mind is. Uh, let's start with, okay. Let's start with Baylor losing Oklahoma because I, I was looking at the quotes after the game from Nikki Collin and they kind of made me go, huh? Uh, even more than we already are. Huh, a oh, little bit. God. Because I thought I knew one thing, right? And I look at the quotes and I'm like, mm, is there something else going on here? So after the game, uh, Baylor loses. And for those of you that, know, that didn't see it, Baylor basically just fell apart in the fourth quarter. Their offense, they went three of 13. Uh, they completely lost track of Taylor Robertson from Oklahoma and she went off. Um, and after the game, Nikki Collins, and by the way, this is from like the, the, the game recap. This isn't like from the, uh, Waco Tribune or anything. This is like from on their website. It doesn't matter. Let me see. Uh, buh, 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 buh. People are going to take shots at me and say we lost another close game, said first year head coach Nikki Collin, whose team fell to 10 and 4. But players have to make, have got to make shots late. We were really good from the field until the fourth quarter. We shot our worst percentage across the board. It's players making plays late in those big moments when the, sh- when the game is on the line. Are you prepared to hit that shot? Also, this other, this other quote, also from Nikki Collin, quote, it doesn't matter what play you call or what thing you draw up. If you turn the ball over and you don't execute, Collin said, uh, or sorry, if you don't turn the ball over, you don't execute. I thought we ran some really good stuff and got the ball where it needed to go a lot of the night. So it was just making the same sound decisions that gave us a four-point lead uh, uh, to get us to 75-71. That's a lot of saying. Hey, I don't know what y'all want me to do. <laughs> that's insane. That, that's crazy. Because I'm, I I get. I didn't watch the game. You 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 watched this game, or you yeah. saw highlights of it. Um, Nalissa Smith goes out there and puts up thirty points and eight boards in thirty eight yeah. minutes. The depth of this team is continuing to hurt them time after time, just because they're having to play these girls like thirty eight minutes a game. Mm-hmm. But it. Queen Egbo puts up 16 and 10 in 23 minutes. Melissa Smith puts up 30 and eight. And you know why it doesn't matter? Because Oklahoma State, Oklahoma goes out and shoots 14 of 27 from three. And Baylor just doesn't defend at the same level that they have in years past. In fact, Mm -hmm. I've heard hoop stats up right here. Their defensive rating for this year is 81.6. Pretty good, right? Mm -hmm. Well, they haven't, the last, they haven't had a defensive rating of over 78 since 2014 2015 mm-hmm. so basically the past seven years it's been better and even before that only one other time have they allowed anything in the 80s like this and is by the, and by the way to counter that their offensive rating has been better and so like even when their defense yeah. has been worse like their offensive rating has been way higher this is this is the worst offensive rating since 2009 yeah like it's they're they're not putting this together and even even though I would argue they have more offensive talent than years past at some point, it is on the coach. Like it is on you here to Mm -hmm. create something with the best player in the country by a decent, I mean, yes, a big, um, all, all of the, them up there in the North have great players too, but like, Melissa Smith is incredible Mm -hmm. and she puts up 30 and eight and you can't win. Like at a certain point, she's carrying the water for you. At some yeah. point, she's putting up 30 points. She, it doesn't matter what coach she has. She's putting up 30 points. So with Jamie Asbury, Jordan Lewis, Sarah, Sarah Andrews, this backcourt you have and you combine to get 
20 points out of them. Like, and you're not, you don't even have an excuse of like saying, oh, well, we had to get these other girls in. You have no depth, no depth. And they've just, again, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because they have, they have no depth and the scholarship situation is not good there. But like, other than that, this all falls on the coach. I don't understand how this could fall on anybody else here. Like this turnovers are bad. I agree. I hate them. You had 18 of them. Oklahoma had 14, but you're giving up 14 to 27 from three. Um, You can't capitalize on having 11 more rebounds than Oklahoma. Like the offense just isn't good. The offense is hope. Melissa Smith can bail us out and hope we make threes. And that's all it's ever been all year. And this just, so that's, that's a frustrating quote because I don't understand um, and Oklahoma is a good team. They're not bad. Right. Yeah, I was about to say they're the you know, number 23 team, I believe. Um, but I think the way in which Baylor lost is, is frustrating because, you know, they, they basically get torched on defense and like, you know, 83, 77 isn't a, it's a bad score in terms of like, you expect this defense to obviously not give up 70 or 83. Um, and, the reason why I couldn't one, the reason why I couldn't watch this game, because this game was, of course, network region locked or whatever. On you know, I joked about on Twitter how it was like you can only get it off LimeWire, basically. Um, but some of the clips I did see was like a lot of weird defensive lapses from including Melissa Smith. Like it wasn't like a perfect, it didn't look like a, a perfect defensive game anyway. Um, and it looked like it, just the interior defense, yeah, just they were getting cuts and then. They they screened the hell out of Taylor Robinson. Like every single uh there was another quote Nikki Collins said about Taylor Robinson and like how uh Jordan Lewis did a pretty good job, or I think it was Jamie Asbury, uh did a pretty good job on her because they basically ran her like Ray Allen for 40 minutes. Like yeah. it was just like you're literally your job is just to run through screens and get open. And you know, we saw it. She connected five or five from three. And that was her whole job was just to tire out this off this defense um, with screens. And, and they did that. And it, I, again, I don't know if the team just got tired when it got to the fourth quarter, because they were just like, you know, they were just screened to death. Um, but they just completely fell apart in that fourth quarter. You look at every other get every other period of the game, they're shooting fine, like 64%, 66%, even 41% in the third quarter. And then it just plummets. And this team had no gas. And I think it, you know, goes back to the depth issues, of course. Um, but yeah, I, I, geez, I, this, this, this team is eventually, I feel like we have to stop mentioning the depth because this is just how the team is. And this is just what they're going to be, you know? Um, and it's unfortunate, but they have to figure out a way to, to, to get, you know, to figure it out. Yeah. I don't have anything else. Yeah, that's all I got at the, at the moment on this Baylor team because they're going to be boring on top 20 at this point and that's insane unheard of yeah <laughs> like for a team with this starting five like I don't know there's definitely not a team in the big 12 with a better starting five right there's probably not many teams in the country with a better starting five than these than this team so yep um we'll see how they do who they got next they got Kansas in Oklahoma State and then Iowa State as the next three games. So we'll see. On to Texas, because then Texas yeah. loses to Kansas 66 to 70. And I watched overtime for this game. And Texas defense just didn't look like it was as bothersome as I had been 
in uh, weeks past. Kansas ends up shooting 49% from the field. Both teams had 23 turnovers. Like it was, a, from what I understand, a really ugly game in overtime. Yep. It was a lot of Kansas just kind of getting what they wanted. And Texas looked tired. Texas defense started to fade. And I don't know. Um, there was uh, Aliyah Mataro was was on the bench for a lot of the game with foul mm-hmm. trouble. She ends up only playing 11 minutes. She hit the three to send the game to overtime. So there was a chance the game didn't even go to overtime. Uh, Rory Harmon played 37 minutes, uh, eight points, nine boards, seven, uh, seven assists. But it's like, if Rory Harmon's not doing it and Aliyah Mataro's in foul trouble, which she always kind of seems to be, I don't know what else they have. Because while I like Joanne Allen Taylor and I like Audrey Warren, they're not like they're not the team. They're not players that are going to like single handedly win you a game in the mm-hmm. way Rory Harmon will. So I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. And this is another. This is the same thing with Baylor. I'm not super worried about Baylor and Texas. Texas. We had less expectations for them going to the year than Baylor, obviously. So that's why right. Baylor were like, "What's wrong with Baylor?" More so than Texas. But like both of these. I think there's still chances for them to, to overcome it moving forward. So this isn't the end of the world loss for Texas. I think the Baylor loss is worse, but still, uh, still some red flags here. Maybe we were a little too high on their ceiling moving uh, at this point. Yeah. I think that one of the things I, I, I think this team's just gassed, if I'm being honest, like I think this Texas team is just, is because one, they're young, right? They're still, they're still a really young team. They're not that deeper than Baylor. Right. They're not incredible. I think one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They played seven, eight players in this game. Right. Um, and I think in particular, Rory Harmon's kind of gassed because if you look at her trending the past couple games, her scoring's dipped, her usage percentage has dipped. Um, she's her assists have dipped. Like, I think she's just going through a little bit of a freshman slump. And I think I'll it's tell you this. I'll tell you yep. this a little bit from experience because, you know, I am a point guard in my own right. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, uh, of course, of course. <laughs> uh, but being being a kind of smaller guard where you have to take on a lot of responsibility, that, sure. is, that is tiring at any level of basketball, right? Like we see it sure. in the NBA. We see it at every level here where a smaller guard, like even though it's women's basketball, she, the physicality that she has to play through every night, that is not easy. So, so here's, here's some of her usage percentage numbers early in the year. Against Stanford, 31%, 27% against Southeast Missouri, Southeast Missouri State, 23% against Tennessee, right? And then and it, and it varies. He has 29%, 25%, even 37% at one point. Past four games, 20%, 23%, 18%, 15%. She's not handling the ball as much. Her assist percentage is way down. Her scoring, I'm trying to think. I'm sitting, look at her scores per game. Or points per game. Uh, yeah, I mean, so she had 11 against Oklahoma State, 10, 6, and 8 in her last three games. And one of those games, 6 against UTRGV, right? Like, yeah. so I don't know if there's like an injury thing here or if there's just kind of a fatigue thing here or what, which may coincide with uh, letting Joanne Allen Taylor play, you know, play a little bit more, uh, giving a little bit more to Aliyah Matharu maybe if she's not in foul trouble. Um you know, whatever the situation is with Kendall Hunter, if she's still, you know, they're still nursing her back. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's going to need to be, I think there was so much on her plate early, Roy Harmon's plate early, that we're kind of seeing the repercussions of, you know, a freshman running into kind of, you know, the, the doldrums of conference season. Doldrums. 
that's a hell of a word. <laughs> Jesus. I don't know if I properly use that, but I'm just going <laughs> to. Because that just caught me off guard. That's a good word. There you um, go. <laughs> yeah, Texas, we'll see how they do moving forward here. I, I'm, still, I'm still cool with them. I still think they're 15 to 20 in the country. I mean, 10 to 20, eh, 10 to 20 in the country, anywhere in there. Yeah. So uh, we, they do play Baylor on February 4th, but that's a three weeks away. Who they got next? Uh, Texas has West Virginia and then Iowa State as its next two games. So Iowa State's looking good. Iowa State might be in the driver's seat to win the damn conference at this point. Sheesh. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I don't have anything on North Texas losing to Middle Tennessee. I didn't watch the game, but obviously I still follow North Texas accounts and everything. So I saw that and I was like, that's not great. Uh, yeah. They were coming off a of COVID pause. So, you know, weird on the road. And Middle Tennessee is a solid team. Uh, UTEP did beat Middle Tennessee by one, though. So shout out to UTEP for getting it done. Uh, I'll talk about North Texas if they lose to Marshall tonight. Then I'll be mm. concerned. But yep. they should be able to beat Marshall. Uh, Texas Tech loses to West Virginia 64 to 53. I did not watch this game. Uh, but it's kind of what we've said about Texas Tech all year. We, I thought, I really thought they were, they had found their stride ish. I thought it was done. I thought the inconsistency was over. I thought Texas Tech had done it, turned the page, and I said, all right, we've, we've found we got the a real team in the Big Twelve. And, yeah, yeah. And then the real Texas Tech stood up for us one time. <laughs> Just uh, loses to West Virginia. And I'm not for nothing after the Texas game. So we, we mm. did a whole podcast on, wow, Texas Tech beat Texas. Mm-hmm. Then they lost to Oklahoma State. And I was remember I was like discarded. I was like, oh, yeah, they lost to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State's good. Yeah, you, you know. And then they lose to West Virginia. So now it, they are one and three in conference <laughs> with the one win coming over Texas. And yeah. I don't know what to make of this team. It's It also it looks like Brianna Scott's back to being hurt again. So like it's just like uh like just when you thought they were just when you thought they were getting back to full strength and everything, like you just kind of goes a little bit out the My little bit God. to the side. So yeah, yeah, it's it's Kansas yeah. State is the next game who's ranked 20 top 25 in the country. We saw Kansas State take down Baylor. They lose that, they're one and four. We might have a sell prospect on our hands here. All right, that's all we have. Uh, that's all I have on tech. I don't know if you have anything, but yeah, nope, that's, that's pretty much it. We'll see. Hopefully, I can get back. And uh, I don't have anything else on the whack. It wasn't anything major. I want to say Tarleton State plays. Let me get this up. They have a big game tonight. Let me find it. It's New Mexico, I think it is. Yeah, Texas Te- Tarleton State versus New Mexico State. Big game tonight for okay. t- what's Tarleton's mascot? Texans. Oh. There you go. You're like, come on now. Talk them Texans. Come on and, now. Yeah. I do not cover the, uh, the football side of things. <laughs> I only, and I did not pay attention to Tarleton last year. So there you go. Tarleton's coming in after wins over Sam Houston and Stephen F. Austin. Got New Mexico State on the road. Did they, did they, I thought they lost. They lost that stuff, didn't they? Well, it's all. Hey, if Tarleton on their own website. Oh, the, men, the men. We were talking about the women for like for like the whole segment. So, right. yes. I flipped it. The I men. It. Yes. The men beat. I was looking at, I was like, I'm looking at Tarleton. I'm like, the, the women did not it. beat SFA. <laughs> like, I flipped it. I flipped it. I flipped it. No, okay, if, yeah. if SFA loses too, then we really have to have a conversation about <laughs> where the women's basketball stands in this state right now. But, yes. Uh, yes. No, the men, sorry. As, part, as, as the, as the, the, the Lieutenant member of the SFA women's basketball fan club, I was confused for a second. You would have known that. Yeah. Ish was already texting Justin. He was all, yeah, I was like, J- you believe what this guy's saying right now? <laughs> 
So the men, Tarleton men, coming off yes. wins over Sam Houston State and SFA play New Mexico State. If they beat New Mexico State, we can have a we can have a nice talk about Tarleton being an elite Texan team. Are Texan overlords of the whack? Hey, Tarleton State plays Grand Canyon on ESPNU on the fifteenth. So Ooh, look at that national title game. Yeah, national televised game. National title game. Freudian slip. I just we just got done with football season. You know exactly, <laughs> exactly. Oh. That's all I got. You got anything else? I don't know how I'm still talking at this point. I know, so, man. Go go down a bunch of Ricola or something. Ricola. Yeah, I, that's what I'll do. Uh, but, yeah, that's all we have for y'all today. Uh, again, some interesting games on the over the weekend, and we'll get to y'all next week. But if you're listening on Apple, leave us a five-star rating and review. If you're, um, following us, if you're not following us on Twitter, you can follow us at DCT Basketball and follow Ishmael, uh, Ishmael R. Johnson. Follow me at Matthew Bruni underscore. And yeah, thank you all for joining us. We'll talk to you all later.